Seasonal cleansing is a time-honored tradition in Ayurveda and part of a healthy, conscious lifestyle. Preparing your body and mind for the new season by reestablishing your natural state of balance, hitting the reset button on digestion, and increasing your energy and vitality for the longer days ahead. Organic India is transforming the wisdom of ancient traditions into accessible, easy, modern-day practices to support you in achieving your healthy, conscious living goals year-round. Visit OrganicIndiaUSA.com to learn more. New to the living healthy lifestyle or a healthy living veteran, this is your place for honest answers. Naturally Savvy with registered holistic nutritionist Andrea Donsky and health journalist Lisa Davis. Hi, I'm Lisa Davis with Andrea Donsky. Hey, girl, how are you? Hello. Good. How are you? I'm good. You know, I've been kind of flying solo lately, uh, probably getting carried away, making, <laughs> recording lots of shows. So I'm just so happy that you're back. And today, it's just me and Andrea. I shouldn't say just because... We are pretty awesome, and we have a lot of experience mm-hmm. with the topic we do. we're going to cover today. Andrea, why don't you tell us what that is? <laughs> we are going to be talking about perimenopause and menopause, one of my new favorite topics. So I'm really excited that we're doing this, Lisa, because there is so much to say, and we just want to help so many people, women who are going through this period of their life that can use the help. So if you're listening and you're not at this stage or you're a male, please share this with females in your life. And by the way, males do go through a sort of menopause, which we're not going to cover today, but it is something we will talk about in the future. But if you do have women in your lives, your mother, your wife, anybody that you feel, and that you feel would benefit from today's topic, please share it because it's one of those topics that people don't talk about. Lisa, don't you find that it's one of, it's a secret topic that either people are too embarrassed to talk about, or maybe it's a generational thing, but we are changing that because we are going to be talking about it today. Oh, definitely. And I want to add that you men who are married to women uh, yes, should listen, one. right? Because we're not just sweaty and cranky. There's lo- <laughs> That's just the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> that is true. Oh my gosh, was I cranky. Holy cow. Before we jump into our personal oh, experiences, I just wanted to share from this awesome book, Andrea. It's so good. It, 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 people don't get it because the title, but it's called Clean Eating Dirty Sex, but it's not about dirty sex. It's by this really cool woman. <laughs> named, oh, wait, this is my book. Sorry. Anyway, um, in my book, I interview a lot of great experts. One of them is hormone health educator, educator Candice Birch, MA. And in the book, she talks about perimenopause uh, and she talks, she calls mm-hmm. them the roller coaster years. Uh, I like, she writes, uh, in the years approaching menopause, 40 something women begin to experience erratic cycles as ovaries start to sputter. Estrogen and progesterone levels fluctuate dozens of times a day. A whole new world of symptoms from hot flashes and mood swings to insomnia and low libido take women on a hormonal roller coaster ride. Some of the symptoms, and I'll tell you which ones I had. Acne, breakout, cystic acne, yes. Bleeding changes, yes. Decreased libido, yes. Fatigue, yes. Foggy thinking, yes. Headaches, yes. Hot flashes, yes. Incontinence, no. Irritability, off the charts, Memory lapses, I don't know, I I tend to forget a lot of things, I'm not sure. Mood swings, yes. Nervousness, no. Night sweats, yes. Sleep disturbances, yes. Sugar cravings, always. Tender breasts, no. Vaginal dryness, no. Weight gain, yes. So, Andrea, out of those... what, what did you experience? You know, what it's has been, it been very like interesting. So by the way, we've been doing a lot of research because we're going to be launching yes. a brand new website. We're going to be launching a YouTube show very shortly. Mm. We've taped several episodes already. 
really targeting women in this age group and oh men because it's important that we all learn it. And when I turned 47, I started getting hot flashes and now I turned 50 recently and I am in full on, thank you, Happy and I am birthday. in menopause. And I'm one of the younger <laughs> women who are, you know, the average age is about 51 and a half, 52 in the United States. It's a little younger actually in other countries, which I found interesting. But a lot of my friends who many of us are turning 50 this year, who I went to school with, either are in this phase already or are not even, you know, we're all in perimenopause, obviously, when you end, you know, after the age of 35, it kind of can, can start rearing its head. But the truth is, is that either whether you're in menopause, which yes. means, by the way, is that you've gone a year without your period. And that is the, the one day that you were in menopause yep. is that is that day that you've gone the year. And then after that, you are postmenopause. So there's a lot of information out there that I think, and a lot of misinformation and a lot of things that we don't understand or don't know. So give you an example, Lisa, I had no idea even what I was going through while I was going through it. It took me having to, you know, speak to my doctors and research. Really? Yeah, I didn't really. And, and it's, I find it interesting because being who I am and being very in touch with my body and being in the natural health industry for 20 years, you think that I was so on top of what perimenopause or menopause was, but for the longest time I would have weight fluctuations and I would for, I'd say starting in my, you know, probably around 42, 43, 44, somewhere around there, my early, cause I had a baby at 41. Yeah, so by me. that I was still mm -hmm. having babies in my early forties, uh -huh. but I'd say like, yeah, 42, 43, somewhere around there, I started you know gaining weight and losing weight. Like, in the flip of a switch. Like it was so interesting to me and I didn't understand it so much. And right. then I was like, Oh, it's, you know, I guess it's perimenopause, I guess. And then I have friends who are, you know, having very irregular cycles or are bleeding heavily or they're not getting their period or they're getting it every couple of months. So people are like, I think this is perimenopause. I'm not really sure. So I really wanted to open up this dialogue because it's part of my life where I'm at right now. And my partner, Randy, and you, Lisa, and you know, you're a little bit older than me, so you can share a lot of your experiences. But what's so interesting is that we find that people don't want to talk about it. And even now, as I've been gathering my research for the past six months, is people who are in, you know, in their 40s who are in the peri stage are like, oh, thank goodness I'm not in menopause yet, as if it's like a bad thing, you know? And I think we need to change the dialogue. We need to right. change the script. We need to rebrand menopause and really understand what it means and what are we going through and helping others understand as they navigate through this part of their life. Well, for me, I had a, what's called, I guess, forced menopause. It's probably not the right word, but I had the perimenopausal symptoms, as, as I mentioned. But then around 47, uh, I discovered that I had some huge uh, uterine fibroids mm. the size of cantaloupes mm. pushing on my bladder. Now, if anyone knows me, I pee all the time as it is. It's It's been my whole life. So I'm like, this is not help. This is not good. Like This was worse than pregnancy peeing. Like, I had to go all the time. And I was uncomfortable. And so I had a uh, laparoscopic procedure, uh, mm. laparoscopic hysterectomy. I had, okay. uh, they took everything because my mother died of ovarian cancer at 56 and I'm 52. And even though I tested negative for the BRCA the gene, which has gene, to do with yep. ovarian cancer mm -hmm. and breast cancer, I just thought, you know what? Thank you. I'm not taking any chances. And I was already so perimenopausal anyway. And I was, by the time I had the surgery at 48 and now I'm 52. And I'm, I'm kind of glad because I, I got on hormones because I wasn't ready to just hit the wall, right? To be like, okay, you're, you know, I think I forgot, um, medically induced menopause, I think it's called, but I don't think Whatever, I it, it is. Worst. I don't think that's <laughs> right. But 
either way, I wasn't going to just do this without any hormones. So that's my choice. But everybody you know, It's has interesting that you say that. I have a friend recently who had a hysterectomy and, you know, even when she went in, she wasn't told what those options are, whether she could get hormones, whether it is an option for her. And she was put into, I, I think, mm, you know, forced menopause really? is, it's not a bad term if whether it's a real one or not, but she was forced into menopause right. and <laughs> kind of had all these symptoms. And she was like, right. she didn't even understand what she was going through, which was so interesting because it wasn't really explained to her properly. Oh. So had she even understood that maybe it's hormones, maybe it's bioidentical, maybe it's not, maybe it's natural herbs, that there are a lot of herbs that work really well, right? So it's whatever that is, we right. do have choices as women. And I think I think there needs to be more of a plan around women who are having hysterectomies. And I, I was I was asking my friend, I'm like, can I please interview you? Because I think it would be very interesting to share her experience so that she can help other women prep who are going to have a hysterectomy, right? So these are things that, you know, women are, are getting all the time. How can we help women prepare for it in different ways? Yeah, that's true. I mean, I've, I'd already done a lot of research. I mean, when I turned 43, I, I literally changed. I mean, my... My mood was terrible. And I'm usually a pretty happy-go-lucky person. I mean, I was really irritable. And I felt almost out of control. Like, I wasn't going to, like, tear down a wall. But I felt like I could. <laughs> I would just get this, like, Argh! and my husband and daughter would be like, geez, Louise, what happened to you? And then it would pass. Um, and then I would get the night sweats and the cystic acne that I'd never had on my chin. That's a common mm -hmm. place for hormonal acne. I was just miserable. It was just terrible. And so I, but I just kind of suffered through it, even though I know like Chase Berry is supposed to be good for it. And there's other things. And for me in my life, and you've listened to the show, you know, I have a, a, a child with special needs. And so what oftentimes happens is I, I'm just so overwhelmed that it's like, okay, you know what? I don't, I'll figure it out later. And then I have to deal with this now with her and this you know, and so when I knew I had to have the hysterectomy, I'm like, just give me the hormones because I really don't have time to like figure out like to take weeks and weeks to figure out which which herbs work, which don't work, which agrees with me, which doesn't. Because I just knew. But again, mm -hmm. we're all different. We all exactly. have different You know what's interesting is I personally chose not to do hormones. And what I did was I've gone since I'm 47, so I'm 50 now. For the last three years, I've literally made it my mission to find something that helps with hot flashes. And I have tried everything under the sun. And I did try, you know, the Vitex and the Chase Street. And I have to tell you, I'm not, see, what I've learned is not everything that claims to be natural, as we know, is actually beneficial for us. And I think that's where it's important. And listen, I am the hugest proponent of natural. As you know, I have lived, breathed, Eat, like right. this industry is is my is my passion, and this is what I live. But I also I I'm one of I'm one of those people that will try things before I recommend things or that tell people to do things. And I tried that that route. And right now, listen, this is just my own opinion, and I don't know whether or not it's true or not. But I I go every sure. year and I get a vaginal ultrasound, and I've been doing it for many years since I was had trouble having children. I went through some fertility, and I just go every year to just get that vaginal ultrasound. And as I was approaching menopause, my endo, endometrium lining, is it endometrium or endothelial? I always forget. It's the, whatever that lining is, I think it's endometrial lining, was supposed to, as you go into menopause, it's supposed to get thinner. And I guess one year I was on, I was, my lining was 0.3. And then I had started that year of trying the Chinese herbs. Like I think it was um, Vitex in particular. 
And I went back the following year and my lining had doubled in thickness. So it became 0.6, which is not supposed to happen. It's actually not supposed to get thicker. And I was like, wait, and this is, I went to my gynecologist, my doctor who I've been seeing for many, many years. And I was like, really interesting. How come it's getting thicker? And so I just kind of started thinking, what have I been doing? And the only thing I did was really try all these different things. So in my opinion, I think it's really important. Again, this is my opinion. (laughs) I think it's really important that we just be very mindful (laughs) of what we're putting in our body and do the research. So that led me onto a whole, you know, cascade of research in terms of understanding what we're putting in our body. So I have finally found something that it works to get rid of hot flashes. I am in the midst now, right now, working with a formulator. Oh, the We're going to do some human clinical trials on it. And from what we understand, because again, using myself as a guinea pig, there is no hormonal activity that comes from it. So it's important that if we are doing these things, because there are a lot of products out there, and I've noticed this recently, that say that they're hormone-free, meaning they don't have any hormones. Because again, we're talking about women who choose right. not to do the hormones, right? Lisa, there's zero judgment here on all parts. Yeah, I just want to be very clear about that. Right. So they said that it's hormone-free on the package or in their marketing, but what it does in the body, it actually can either mimic estrogen or create some kind of, you know, something to do with estrogen in the body, right? So changes in our body. So like phytoestrogens, like soy, right? It's a weaker form of estrogen, but it does play a role of, of estrogen in our body. So we have found something that has zero, you know, no, has no activity for a hormone. It doesn't affect our hormones in any way, shape or form, which is important. And I am now in the middle of formulating it. So I'm hoping, ladies, if you are looking for a, a hot flash remedy that has no, you know, that doesn't have any type of hormonal effect on you and it is hormone free, that I should be, ha- I should have it hopefully in the next couple of months. So I'm extremely excited and I'm doing the research and wow. yeah, it is it's so exciting for me, Lisa, because I just want to help. I mean, obviously I was doing this to help myself because my hot flashes were so debilitating. Like literally I would sit there and I would get them oh, all the time. No. They would last, you know, anywhere from 30 seconds to a minute. And they would happen like at one point every five minutes. And I'm like, I can't live like this. Like this is no chance. Oh like gosh. it was so brutal no. for me. And I'm like, <laughs> what is going on? And as I've come to learn, there are so many different reasons that, you know, we get our, we get hot flashes and it's, it's, it was very exciting for me that I, I figured out something that works for me. And now we're going to do some testing on some other women to see if it works for them too. Right. So stay tuned ladies, because it is very exciting times. And I've been talking to ingredient formulators and ingredient companies and, you know, who are all trying to make a difference, which is, I think for me, the biggest thing is that we're trying to help people in a, you know, in a safe way. Yeah, that's huge. Wow. Andrew <laughs> yeah, I know like it's it. very exciting. So anyways, it's uh, it's been an exciting six months to talk about it. But regardlessly, so you know what you were saying about people, you know, we were, let's talk about signs and symptoms of perimenopause or menopause is that we have found that there are over 60 sure. different signs and symptoms. So you mentioned quite a few of them from your book before, but you know, we found everything, you know, from let's talk right. about vaginal dryness. I mean, that's a huge one for women. And the thing that was so interesting yes. is that these signs and symptoms are for many of us embarrassing to talk about, right? So it's something that, you know, either perhaps right. your, your mom or your grandmother never really spoke about it or kept it under wraps. Like I don't ever, I remember my mother when she went through menopause, she also had a hysterectomy. So was forced into menopause. I think she was in her late 40s. I remember her 
talking about the operation. I don't remember her talking about her signs and symptoms. And my mother, other than let's say her hot flashes, but what about all the other things that we, you know, that we experience? And I think for many of us, it is embarrassing, right? right? To talk about vaginal dryness and painful sex or even, you know, mouth dryness, right? So all of it is connected, right? So now it's about understanding it. And our generation, we are not going into this quietly. We do not want to hide the symptoms. We do not want to be embarrassed. We are talking about it because it is a fact of life. And the more we talk about it, the less we, 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 the more we remove that stigma associated with it. Right. Well, I mean, just having a book with the title Sex in it, I see how much Mm -hmm. blowback there is, even if the word dirty wasn't there. Because again, I make it clear to people there's nothing dirty in the book. But I think the problem is that there's this stigma about if a woman uses lube, then I think oftentimes a man thinks, oh, I don't turn you on enough. But it has nothing to do with that. You need lube because whether you're, you know, naturally wet or not, or you have vaginal dryness, lube Mm -hmm. makes sex better, period. End of conversation. Right. So I think, you know, like my husband and I had sex this morning and I'm looking for the lube. It doesn't mean we're not going to have great sex, but because we communicate and we do. But and we've been together over uh, 22 years. So it's pretty good. (laughs) Anyhow, (laughs) he's like, please don't talk about me on the radio. Um, My point is, is that we have to talk. And he's never been like, what's with the lube? He's like, oh, cool. Except when it's really cold. He's like, oh, cold, cold. (laughs) So I should warm it in my hands first. But it's just so annoying that people get so uptight that we can't talk about these things. And a woman will sit there and endure painful or uncomfortable sex because she doesn't want her partner to feel like, oh, I shouldn't have lube. I mean, we need like billboards. That's an interesting lube point okay. you're saying. I didn't realize <laughs> well, celebrate that. Celebrate the emotional component that right. comes. That's interesting. Did you, yeah. did you, I guess, come across that when you were writing your book? I actually, to be honest, that's from Sex with Emily. I mean, Emily is, uh, she does a, mm, a great sex podcast okay. and she's on Sirius and she's, she, yeah, she, I, I, when she said that though, and this was a while, but I did my own research. I was like, yeah, this is so true because there's this whole thing of the guy's ego. And again, this isn't all men, obviously, but it's enough where the woman feels uncomfortable being like, I need this lube. But like I said, everybody, the lube helps. It just makes it better. And and by the way, when you are going through menopause or perimenopause and you have vaginal dryness, I mean, this is the thing that, and it's so important that you talk to your partner about it because if you don't, then they don't really understand what you're going through. And you're enduring painful sex. It's not, it's not fun. I mean, as we know, and I had a very interesting experience and I'm going to share it and I'm going to be very vulnerable here because this is something that I want people to understand. So as I was going into menopause and I, you know, there was, there was, I went when I was 47 to 48, I went without a period. And then I got my period on my 13th month, which was interesting. So I was in menopause and it kind of got shot back into perimenopause then I went another year so I didn't have I know a lot of people are having like a lot of like issues with their period I actually didn't I had very smooth transition but I had crazy hot flashes and other things so Mm. you make up for it but what happened when I was 47 48 to 49 is I went again a year without my period and then on the same day that I had actually it was June the same day to the same month to the same day exactly I started bleeding again. I'm like, oh, here we go again. I'm back throwing out back into, you know, perimenopause or out of menopause. So I thought it was my period and it lasted two weeks, but it was a very light period. And I've heard from other women that, you know, they either get very light or very heavy and whatever it is. And I was like, but wait, this is two weeks. This isn't normal. I think I'm going to go see my doctor. So I went to go see my doctor and it turned out it wasn't my period. 
it turned out that my cervix was very is very thin because I'm in menopause because of the low estrogen that it was actually chafing oh, so when I would yes. have sex it would actually it was chafing which was causing bleeding so this I was like whoa oh. what Yes. So this is why it's important that we understand the signs and symptoms of perimenopause or menopause so that we can understand our body's best solution for that was literally something to lubricate the cervix and basically help with that lubrication. So like you're talking now, I do a weekly thing and it's another product that we're going to come up with, which is going to help with vaginal dryness. So literally I would use something on a weekly basis that would help lubricate. And there are different products out there. The only thing I would recommend is stay away from anything that has those, you know, harsh preservatives in them, but they work. So now I do that and now there's no issue. So it's little things like that. And, And I'm seeing it Ladies, because and men, because I really want to help you, and I want to help you, ladies, understand your body. That is the important thing. Because as we navigate this next phase of our life, understanding our bodies is so crucial. And something as simple as that, thinking, wait, am I in menopause? Am I not? It's my period. Is it not? And that led to a series of tests that I had done. That my doctor said, who have an amazing doctor, a gynecologist. She was like, nope, this is just uh, you know chafing from your cervix. So you got to do something to lubricate. And nobody had ever told me that before. I didn't know. I thought I was having a yeast infection. I was so wow. dry. I was like, oh my God, I have a yeast infection. But it wasn't. It was dryness. which is, And then by the way, I would have dryness in my mouth as well. So because everything is connected, right? So some women experience dry eyes. So things dry out when your estrogen levels decrease. Right. So it's important. That lubrication, Lisa, is so important. Now, is the lube that you mentioned for the cervix, is that also going to double as a lube for having sex or is, is that a different, because I'm thinking. Good yeah, well, we're definitely going to come line. up with something. Because <laughs> I use a natural so we don't lube necessi- right now. I don't necessarily use a lube, oh, but what I use is something that it, it lubricates the vaginal, like the cervix, the vaginal canal. So, um, so it works really well. So I don't oh, need okay. extra lube, but either whatever works, works. So for me, it's about, it was also how I was feeling throughout like all other times. Right. So I would feel like it almost felt like I was having, I had a yeast infection. Like remember when you were young, I don't know, for me, I used to get yeast infections quite often. And I remember it was like, it kind of feels so itchy Mm. that you just want to like put your hand up there and scratch away. Right. right? For lack of a better way of describing it, but it just (laughs) felt like that. And I remember thinking, why do I feel like I have a yeast infection, but I don't have a yeast infection, but no, it's called vaginal dryness. It's called symptoms and signs of perimenopause and menopause. Wow. Well, it's so good oh, that you yeah, I mean, I'm, right away I was like, okay, well, to, at first I was like, okay, this is, you know, two weeks, it's, it should be, you know, it doesn't feel right to me. So of course I have, an, I have two, an, an amazing GP, I've got an amazing gynecologist, I've got a, amazing doctors that are, um, that we can talk about it. And I think it's important, ladies, if you feel something isn't right, speak to your doctor or healthcare provider or professional because they can help you. And if they don't know and they say, hey, you know, I, I'm not sure maybe this is or isn't, doing your own research is important too. And, you know, hopefully, well, and watching shows like our YouTube show that will come out very shortly on our Naturally Savvy YouTube page, our new website we're ah, going to be launching. So we're, we're, we're going full into this because I really, really want to help people. Yeah, I think talking about women's health is key. I, I really do. And I think when we can be so honest, I mean, I maybe I was too honest about my husband's sex, but it's, you know, it's just, that's the thing. Like we need to have these conversations. And I think they resonate with women because our generation is so different. I saw this thing the other day, probably already seen it on Twitter. And it, 
I was, it's so funny how this is about expectations too, which about women and how we should look. And, and I think that plays into that, like being afraid of menopause, right? Because that means mm, that you're old, right? Oh my God, you're in menopause, you're old, you're going to start sagging and wrinkling. They had, this is one of the best things I've ever seen on social media. It had a picture yes. of Rue McClanahan <laughs> and from the Golden Girls on one side. Yes. Okay. So for people who haven't seen it, it said 50 in 1985, 50 in 2020 and it had JLo. And I was, you know, it's weird, Andrea, because before I even saw that, um, I was sick a few weeks ago and I was watching Golden Girls because I love that show. I hadn't seen it in a long time. And I was looking at them going, okay, how old are they? Okay. So B. Arthur and Betty White were already in their 60s. But Rue McClanahan was like 51 or something. And I was like, gee, that's 50? And I thought, and I kind of thought back to like my, you know, when we were kids, yeah, that's what 50 looked like. And now we're expected to look 25 when we're 50. And I had to be honest, I'm sick of playing the game. I mean, there was a while I was getting fillers and I was doing, I don't know, I'm honestly like, I'm not putting it down. I'm not saying I'm never going to do it again, but I'm kind of annoyed. I'm like, I'd like to go back to the Rue McClanahan 50 because this is too much damn pressure well, and it's I not realistic. For, for me, I want to feel that. the way I want. I want to feel and look the way I feel I should look and feel, right? So I don't know if right. like, and by the way, Rue McClanahan right. was extremely sexy <laughs> and it was the 80s. Like when I I showed it to my husband, he was like, oh, oh my was. God, like, for her, like that in the 80s, like she was like, that people were like, wow, she's incredibly young looking and beautiful. But now it's just, and very fit. And now it's a different society, right? Of course. And I feel that it's our generation as we are getting older. We're like, wait, like I I just posted something recently on my Instagram page when I turned 50 and I could not believe the response to it. It was incredible. And if you haven't seen it, I, you follow me at Andrea Donsky on Instagram. I'm going to actually be doing a video about it very shortly. I'll put it on YouTube. And it literally talked about the fact that when I turned, I turned 48 around, I was actually stressing about turning 50 because in my mind, 50 was old. 50 was, oh my God, it's, you know, like it's that, it's that whole concept of age and what we've grown up and, you know, (laughs) you know, what we've grown up to actually believe, right? And for two years, I'd be like, no, I'm not telling anybody because we have a young following at Naturally Savvy and, you know, young millennial following on our Instagram and everywhere. And I'm like, I'm not going to tell anyone how old I am because I always get, oh, you look so much younger than your age. And for the longest time, I'm like, okay, when I turn 50, I'm turning off all notifications. I mean, it sounds ridiculous. And now that I think about it, it is ridiculous. But I was like, I'm not going to let anyone know how old I am. And then I was listening to a podcast, an Oprah podcast on Mm -hmm. OWN. And she was saying, and what she said changed, it completely changed my point of view. And she was saying that she was interviewing three women who were in their 50s and 60s. And they were talking about aging and, you know, the struggles that they were having. And she said, you know, I don't understand why women hide their age. It doesn't make sense to me. She goes, because when you hide your age, you're actually diminishing all your experience and diminishing everything that led you to that age. Because when you're 20, you experience, you have the experiences of a 20 year old. When you're 50, you have the experiences of a 50 year old. And I was like, whoa, that is, I mean, of course, Oprah, brilliant. Mm. I was like, that is so brilliant. I'm like, after right. that, after that, I was like, I told everyone how old I am. I tell, I tell people who don't even care how old I got. I'm like at the store, I'm like, guess what? Yeah, I'm 50. You know, too. like people are like, whatever, like think I'm, but it's, it was a matter of me changing my mindset and owning it. And now I, I get fillers. I, and I love them actually. And I, I'm, 
I'm 50 no, and I, I feel like too. I'm, I no, I, of course, and like nobody has to. <laughs> to do anything. And that's the key. You do what makes you feel good. Yeah. And, but Lisa, if you're get if, if you're, if we're, people are getting it because they feel they have to, then that's a whole other conversation, right? It's. Yeah, but I feel like it is in a way, because why, if we were allowed to just age, like we could look good as we can naturally, but that's not allowed anymore. It's like, you can, it just feels like with social media, you've got to be 50 and look freaking hot. That's what I, that's all I'm saying. I just find it, it's really bother. it bothers me because even my daughter, she'll come and she goes, mom, I'm not going to do, I don't want to do any of that stuff. I'm like, no, no, I don't want you to. And it makes me kind of sad that my 15 year old daughter, where are you going? Oh, I'm going to get stuff injected into my face. Like it's not a good message to our girls. That doesn't mean we shouldn't be doing it. Cause let, let me tell you when my cheek filler runs out, I probably will get more. I'm just saying, I, I envy the way it was before where all you could do back in the eighties was get a facelift. And if you, and they looked ridiculous. And so most women just kind of put up with their sags and, and exercise. I mean, I knew women in their seventies who were vibrant and looked amazing. And there was no such thing as Botox. Of course. Yeah, I hope yeah. I'm making sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm saying I like it. I just feel like I don't like the pressure that women, I just feel like it's the standards and you know, are way too This is one of the topics high. that we are, we just taped on our YouTube show. And I think it's an incredible topic to have because I feel I did a segment on, uh, on city line. Um, I'm a regular on city line and it's a national show here in Canada and it runs in the U S in the U S as well. And it was about going, it was about faceless without going under the knife. And what are the things that you can do to help yourself without having to actually have surgery? And it was incredible. The conversation that came out of that, because I had some women who were like, Oh my God, I love it. What are you doing? Tell me what you're doing. I love it. It looks so natural. And then at other, you know, conversations with women are like, why can't we just get, you know, age gracefully? And at the end of the day, for me, it's no judgment on either side. You do. I believe that we do what makes us feel good. If you're doing it Whatever your reasons are, motivations, that's a, to me, that's a different story. But for my motivations, I, inside, I feel like I'm 30. I feel like I'm really young. But when I looked in the mirror, mm. I was like, you know what? I'd like to fix something here and there and just look like a refreshed 50-year-old. And that's why I chose to do that segment. So right. whatever you choose is okay. It's what my problem is, least more than anything, is the judgment that comes in with it, with judging other women for whatever they do, whether they get fillers and Botox or whether they don't. And that's where I feel that conversation has to stop, has to be had, but the judgment has to stop because why make anybody feel bad on any side? Like there's no purpose to it. Do what you do. Be happy with right. what you do, but don't make others feel bad on either side. Right. No, no, I agree. And by the way, there are great ways to keep your skin looking mm-hmm, great. There's a mm-hmm. whole chapter in my book, <laughs> Clean Injury Sex on Skincare, and really emphasizing natural skincare, which Andrea and I are big on. And there's a lot, you know, I've noticed a change in my skin by using certain products. Um, eating is such a great way, you know, eating clean really helps your skin, the, you know, the essential fatty acids. I mean, there's a lot of good things, luckily, that we can do. But I, I think that this does tie back into that stigma around menopause or no one wanting to talk about it because, again, you're old or you're seen as old. Even though 50 is not seen as old like it used to be, it's still, it's, you know, well, we're that's just it. getting and older from here. That's <laughs> it. I think you for know, some women, tough. that's and tough. So definitely getting your head wrapped around it. And, you know, I, I, I look at my, I have a, my father-in-law's in his 80s and my dad's almost 80. And I look at, especially my dad, I look at my mom who's in her 70s even that isn't old anymore, you know? And I think it, it becomes that, you know, that right. mental way of looking thing. It's, it's a mentality, right? So it's how we, what we think, right? And how we perceive things. And 
you know, maybe in our nineties one day, that won't be old either. But to me, I've got my like, okay, so we're, we're, you know, my dad, he's super young in terms of his spirit. I mean, he runs around, he might have some aches and pains and some issues, you know, physically, but he is, in my opinion, still really, really young and he's going to be 80 next year. So I think you're right. It's it's interesting how we perceive age and how we need to change that because our generation, you know, it's, it's not, I, I believe, and I'm hoping that we could change that stigma around age and own our age and not be embarrassed about our age and well into our, you know, whatever it is, you know, and, and now we're living longer, right. And we're living longer, healthier. Right. Well, it's interesting when you say embarrassed because lately I haven't wanted to wear short sleeves because I don't know what it is. And I've talked about this on the show before, but I swear I, I need to take collagen. I, I take it and then I forget. And then I, you know, I need to stay on it because I have this laxity because I lost some weight. So I have a little bit of laxity in my arms. And honestly, from certain angles, they look a lot older than uh, they used to. And there's this whole thing of like, oh, you don't want. And then I'm thinking, well, what kind of should I get an Exercise, arm Exercise, baby. No, Strength training. Arm, and that's a lot of money. And no, it doesn't. There's a certain, there's, you can do that. But once you have lax skin, it's hard to retighten. Trust me, I have mm. talked to so many plastic surgeons. If I had it my way, like if I was like a billionaire, I would just get like, you know, when people lose skin hundreds tight, of pounds yep. and they get like all their skin tightened, I would, I would love that, you know, look like a 25 year old, but it's not realistic, but it's bothering me because I'm like, damn it, you know, I don't want to have to not wear short sleeves because I have skin laxity and mm-hmm. it's frustrating because I feel like as a health person, you're supposed to have this certain image and I can lift all the weights I want. I'm still going to have that crinkly skin laxity because I lost weight. And there's other people who've lost weight. They have that too. And they never show that, right? There's Once in a while, you'll see some woman on Instagram who rocks, who's like, this is what it looks, and I didn't lose a lot of weight, but for women who lost a lot of weight, this is what it looks like when you lose weight. And they'll mm-hmm. like show yeah. all this sagging skin. But nobody wants to see that. They just want to see you know, oh, I used to be heavy and now I'm not and now I'm toned and now I'm this. And it, it, I just wish we could be more real about this is what happens when you age. Some of it you can stop through, you know, fillers or clean eating or health or lifting weights. Some of it mm-hmm. just flipping happens. If you're 60, Except, you're going to have yep. laxity on your arms, right? Like, let's just flip and stop mm-hmm. trying to fix everything. That's where I get frustrated. <laughs> it sounds like you have a dilemma. <laughs> on one hand, you want right? to fix. On the other hand, you I guess you feel you don't want to fix. So it's, it's but it's, it's an interesting one. Well, I'm not going to spend $10,000 to of like not, not have say, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, lax skin. Yeah. I just think, right? Unless it was like I lost 300 pounds. So what's pounds the solution? Is it coming to terms? What's the solution in your opinion? Yeah, I think I think it's coming to terms. I think that we that's where I go back to getting mad about the fillers and the botox is that I feel like we need to be able to age in a way that cuz here's the thing. If my face looks really young, but my body doesn't, it doesn't match. And that's what's tough. I look in the mirror and go, okay, I got this filler and I eat clean. I do all this stuff. So my my face, people always think I'm younger. But then if they see my arms, they'll (laughs) think I'm 65. (laughs) So it's like this. And then sometimes you get on this thing where if you fix one thing, everything else looks, everything else pales in comparison. I don't know if you found that yet, but you have very nice arms, Andrea. So you're, but I think women who understand what I'm saying, whereas you can, if you start to do too much, you start to like, you you get too critical about all the other parts of your body that aren't. No, a hundred percent. And even me, I was, I was just saying the other day that 
I could see, and one of the signs and symptoms, again, of menopause and perimenopause is our bodies change. You know, my boobs are getting bigger, weight is distributing differently, like around, it's more around, you know, my belly than other places. And, you know, that's a big thing. And I've never had cellulite in my life. And now I'm like, wait, how come I have a little bit of cellulite? Like all of these things, I'm like, it's so interesting how our bodies change. And definitely it gets me down because I'm like, well, wait, I'm 30 in my mind. I'm like, but we no, but I'm in menopause. <laughs> like, it's like that whole thing of like, right. okay, so it's come, it's about self-love, <laughs> self-acceptance and working on ourselves to understand it. And at the same time, taking charge. So for me, one of the things I wasn't doing was exercising regularly. So now I've joined a gym. I joined F45. I really like it. It's hit exercises. I'm going three, four times a week. And le- le- physically it's, you know, helping me, but mentally that's where it it has the biggest benefits, right? In terms of helping me from an emotional standpoint. And I feel like I'm working towards that. And yeah, I don't always love when I see what I see in the mirror, but overall I'm happier and I'm happy with what I see. So it's like, I don't think anyone's perfectly. So, and I think your point is very valid. And I think that it's one of those things that acceptance, but yet accepting how we look because of the stage of life we're in, but also not being so hard on ourselves and doing something about it too. So taking action. So we don't want to just sit and complain about it. You actually want to try to fix, to try and fix it. And to your point, not everything is fixable. Like doing weights in your case, you're saying about your arms, maybe it can't fix it, but also doing a little bit of the emotional work, a little bit of the physical work and all of that hopefully will bring you to that place of self-acceptance, right? Right. Yeah. No, I agree. I just... Oh, the 80s. No. <laughs> All you could do is get a facelift, gals. That was it. Um, but at, it's, at the same time, I mean, the, the uh, options are nice. You know what I discovered lately that I absolutely love? It's called a lash lift. And the reason I love it is because I have long eyelashes, but they're blonde. And when I don't wear makeup, people are like, are you okay? Are you sick? Because I just totally, I'm totally washed out. I have blonde eyebrows. Um, but I get this lash lift and they actually do, speaking of the 80s, they perm your eyelashes. It seems so crazy. But they put a perm oh, solution wow. to curl them up. And then if they're light, they'll tint them. And so it's not as thick and dramatic as lash extensions, um, which I haven't wanted to get. Well, also, they, they contain can formaldehyde your, um, eyelashes. Glue, and I like my eyelashes. Yeah, I looked into them. Oh, does it? Oh, okay. So the lash lift, I mean, I can't say, I'm sure. But they don't touch your eyes. As long as I don't solution, think they touch your eyes anyway. It touches your eyelashes. Your eyelashes. Are okay, it doesn't. But as no, long they have to touch It's very careful. Yeah. Oh, okay. But it's amazing. I'm so overdue for one. Every time I pass And how much is it? Is it an expensive? Is it an expensive? (laughs) It's like 90 bucks, but it lasts like six to eight weeks. So really, I would, I mostly would just do it around Mm -hmm. the summer Mm -hmm. because I swim a lot in the pond in my town. But the problem is you get kind of spoiled. You know, like, oh God, I really want that look. Even my husband's like, I had my lash lift and I had my um, eyebrows darkened and he's, it's, he was like, it's like, it's unbelievable. And usually men are like, oh, you look fine the way you are. And he wasn't saying I don't, but he's like, yeah, that does look better. Because when you have the light, it kind of just, you know, blends in with the rest of your face. So there are definitely things that I, well, I think Well, if you can afford great. it and it and makes you feel you know, good. That's one There's of them. And it. Right? Yeah. If it's making you feel good. Yeah, that's true. That's true. A lot of stuff to think about as we're getting older. Uh, the other night I was on, you know, when I'm standing up, I look great. But gravity, when I sit down, all of a sudden like that extra extra hips that I seem to have now and a little bit of extra stomach since turning 52. Um, it, you know, my daughter was like poking my side and I'm like, stop it. She was just trying to tickle me, but I immediately am like self-conscious. I'm like, I'm going to tuck this back in my pants. <laughs> oh, yeah. That middle age spread is real. 
Even if you take good care of your, I exercise every day. I lift weights. I walk my dogs for hours. I eat well. But, you know, some of us just have a little more. Yeah, and it, it settles love. around the, the midsection. And I, <laughs> like I said, for me too. And I could, I could see yes. the difference in terms of how my clothes fit me or when I'm on camera, I could see. I'm like, oh, okay. Right. So, I, and I, there are things that we could do. I've been doing a lot of reading lately about our liver and doing liver cleanses because our liver takes the brunt of so much. And oh. I'm now on a liver cleanse at this moment. And I, def- I feel better, I have to say. And I'm feeling that a little more energy and the liver emotion, anger is the emotion of the liver. So a lot of women at this time of our life, as we enter into perimenopause and menopause is you know, perhaps we haven't done a liver cleanse or perhaps, and, and by the way, hot flashes a lot of the time could be because of, you know, of an overburdened liver. So even thinking about little things that you can do daily to keep your liver healthy, like drinking, you know, a glass of lemon water in the morning upon rising, drinking 16 ounces. When you wake up, it helps to flush everything out from sleeping the night before, or even avoiding fats before noon, giving our liver a break from digestion. So little things like that can make a, have a big impact on our liver, which all is tied, tied into several of those symptoms of being in menopause and perimenopause, like the hot flashes, like hot flashes, like, you know, mood, you know, my, my husband would say to me, my kids be like, you're always so angry and mad. I'm like, no, I actually wake up in a great mood. It's all of you who piss me off, <laughs> you know, and everybody laughs. <laughs> and I'm like, but it's true. I wake up really happy. So, you know, my husband's like, maybe it's your threshold. I'm like, yeah, it's probably my threshold. So I knew I'm like liver cleanse. Yeah. Yep, liver cleanse. And I'm feeling better. It's tough. Well, we'll be, yeah, we'll be, we only have a few more minutes, but tell us like when you say you're doing a, the liver cleanse, are you actually taking supplements or are you just like not eating the fats in the so, morning and drinking the lemon So I'm doing a more, to, a more advanced cleanse. I'm doing one from Medical it. Medium, his uh, 369 liver. He has a great book called Liver Rescue. So it's his, yeah, so I'm doing his oh, Liver yeah, Rescue 369 yeah. and I'm on day five today. It's a nine day cleanse. So I'm on day five and oh. it's with food. So you basically start your first three days. It's really just bringing down the amount of fat in your diet because our, as, there are a lot of diets out. And this is a whole other topic, by the way, that we should absolutely do a show on is about the liver and liver cleansing and just cleansing in general. But our liver gets overburdened. And when you eat a lot of fat, especially people who are on keto diets for long term, you know, for the long term is our liver gets overburdened because it has to always digest that fat, right? So we need to give our liver a break from eating high fats, even good fats, even good avocado. Like every once in a while, we just got to like give it a break and let it, you know, take down the amount of fat you're eating in the diet. Even if you're cutting it by 50% and just eating it at dinner, that will make a big difference on your liver. So just giving it a break and allowing eating good foods like Brussels sprouts and broccoli that contain sulfur that help the liver cleanse or garlic that helps the liver cleanse. It removes, you know, um, it helps to get rid of pathogens in the liver. So things like that, apples, dates, dragon fruit. So there are a lot of fruits that really help the liver heal and protect it and help it help it regenerate. So just, I'm just doing that. I'm focusing on food right now and I feel a lot better. Oh, that's great. Well, see, I have an avocado. Maybe wait till noon. Maybe wait till noon (laughs) to have it and drink your water. See if it makes a difference. See if you feel something that's a little, if you feel a little bit different or less irritable or less anxious or whatever it is. Yeah. No, I'm fine until I talk about (laughs) this topic about the beauty stuff and then I get irate. At any rate, uh, this has been such a great conversation. And if anyone wants to tweet or comment, uh, you can find me at Lisa Davis, MPH. So glad, Andrea, that I finally have a Twitter <laughs> handle that makes sense. And <laughs> Andrea's at Andrea Donsky at Naturally Savvy. 
And we're just so thrilled that uh, you're listening. Andrea, I can't wait for all your new stuff. I should let people know I'm not part of the TV show. I'm I so know. bummed. I wish we lived nearby because it's breaking my heart. But maybe um, maybe you can yeah, get me on we Skype have to do or it. something. We have I to really do it. Yeah, no, it's really it. exciting. We've intro- I've interviewed a geneticist. I've interviewed body image experts. I've interviewed women talking about beauty. We talked about, you know, makeup. We talked about, you know, fillers and Botox right. and all these things. So it's all the different topics related to this. So I'd love to hear from you as well. Message me on Instagram or tweet us uh, at Andrea Donsky at Naturally Savvy and let us know if there's any topics you want us to talk about when it comes to perimenopause and menopause because we're doing this and I'm ex- very excited and grateful to be doing it. Awesome. Me too. Well, I want to thank everyone for listening. And you can, again, find us at Lisa Davis MPH, at at Natria Donsky, at Andrea Donsky. You know, I was putting Mm -hmm. together Naturally and Andrea. See, that was pretty good. At Naturally Savvy, at Your Radio MD. Thank you so much for listening and stay well. Seasonal cleansing is a time-honored tradition in Ayurveda and part of a healthy, conscious lifestyle. Preparing your body and mind for the new season by reestablishing your natural state of balance, hitting the reset button on digestion, and increasing your energy and vitality for the longer days ahead. Organic India is transforming the wisdom of ancient traditions into accessible, easy, modern-day practices to support you in achieving your healthy, conscious living goals year-round. Visit OrganicIndiaUSA.com to learn more.